Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. My guest today knows the game of football very well as he's coached at the highest level for many years over his career. I was reminded that he was pals with my brother-in-law, Brian, a surgeon in, in Seattle, Washington. He stole my sister, had their children there and uh, from Mississippi, and it's worked out pretty good. Both were student athletes at the University of Washington, the Huskies where you get a lot of coffee and rain. I was watching him on the playoffs just recently, and I thought, that's somebody I got to interview. So I called Brian. Brian sent me his contact, and here we are today. Uh, to spend a Mississippi minute with me, I'm very excited because it is the playoffs. It makes sense. And uh, he's playing in the snow in parts unknown somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Please welcome Coach Jim Moore, Jr. Hey, Coach, what's up? Steve, thanks for having me. That was quite an intro. I, uh, I'm too honored and blessed to be talking with you. A little confusing there. You know, I, I have these things sort of planned, and then I start going off the cuff, and then, you know, it either works out or it doesn't like a song. <laughs> so. I think that uh, it makes it more interesting when you when you start going off the cuff. Sometimes when it's too planned, it's too sterile. But uh, yeah. I've known Brian and Vicky for years and years and years, and certainly known about you and listen to your music and uh, kind of followed your career. And I know that you're a heck of an athlete yourself, an avid golfer. So uh, it's fun to talk to your, your sister, who Brian stole, as you said, yeah. is a great friend. And just can I tell you a really quick story about Please. Uh Well, so uh, when we lived in New Orleans, my dad was the head coach of New Orleans Saints, and Brian was in medical school at Tulane, and Vicky was down there. She used to make these... Uh, maple kind of chewy things yeah, and give them to my dad when he was head coach of the Saints and my dad <laughs> named them Vicky Stickies. Wait a minute, he's and, the guy? Uh, he's the guy that did that? Oh yeah. yeah. To this day he still talks about Vicky Stickies. And I don't know if she calls them Vicky Stickies or Stickies Vickies, but uh, my dad, he still asked me, hey, I need some, some Vicky Stickies. You know, do you ever talk to, I, I don't really call him Brian, I call him Doc. But he says, you ever talk to Doc, uh, <laughs> can you get me some Vicky Stickies? So, you, you know, that's funny because that's at Christmas time, and Vicky and the, Brian were here over the holidays with their grown-up kids, and and uh, uh, the uh, I've always known there were Vicky Stickies. Well, I guess since then, they my mom taught her the recipe. So for our listeners, they're caramel chewies with uh, pecans, 
uh, in them. And, Maybe uh, the best things up. you'll ever taste. Oh, they're so good. It took me a long time to want pecans in them, and then now I can't do it without it. So it's like I, I get it now. I was a little picky growing up. So picky, sticky, Vicky. Vicky's. Anyway. There you go. I love hearing that. Well, there, there's the origin of that title. So they'll, they'll love hearing that. So, Coach, let me ask you. We're, we uh, Take me back because you played football at the University of Washington. Uh, outside linebacker, sort of D-back, if I remember correctly. Yep. I went in as a defensive back. And I was actually a walk-on at University of Washington. I had I was a pretty good high school player, and I hurt my knee my senior year uh, and missed most of my senior year. And I had some, some offers, and they kind of fell by the wayside. And I kind of had my heart set on going to University of Colorado, and they pulled my scholarship offer. And then I had some smaller school choices, and I decided to walk on at University of Washington and was fortunate enough to earn a scholarship spring of my freshman year. So I was there a scholarship athlete for three and a half years and played in two Rose Bowls and uh, had a good career, really enjoyed it, but never really had the skills to um, even really consider playing at the next level. I just I couldn't run fast enough, Steve. You know, I, yeah. had, I had that yeah. disease where I was too slow. <laughs> so uh, I get it. I, I knew that I, you know, I'd, I'd grown up in coaching. My dad, obviously, you know, uh, was a tremendous coach and, you know, people down south will know him certainly, but, uh, I always felt like football was what I wanted to do, even if I wasn't playing. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to get into the management side or the coaching side. And uh, my senior year at University of Washington, I decided that I would write all the West, West kind of Western state um, NFL teams and see if I couldn't get my foot in the door. And that was before computers. So I typed letters to about 16 general managers in the NFL. And, you you know, that's not when you had a, you know, Microsoft Word where I could just, right. you know, take out Dear Joe and put in Dear Bob. You know, I had to hand type them all. And I got 16 rejection letters. So I decided to write them all back and say, thank you, keep my resume. <laughs> I did that. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to the head coaches as well. So I wrote a letter to all the head coaches, typed a letter to all the head coaches, and was fortunate enough that Don Coriel and Johnny Sanders, who's the general manager of the San Diego Chargers at the time, um, kind of knew my dad. As a matter of fact, Johnny Sanders, who's the general manager, coached my dad in the Southern California CIF All-Star game when my dad was in high school. So they hired me out of University of Washington uh, to come and be what they called a staff assistant with the San Diego Chargers. And I was 22. Wow. And now that position is called quality control. So I was really the first quality control coach in the NFL. And that was, you know, a long time ago that really kind of kicked off my career so i've always been really grateful to the late don coriel and the late johnny sanders for giving me that that opportunity i don't know i think my dad and my mom just kind of ingrained in me you know a, a certain work ethic and a, as you say attention to detail my dad is a real he was a marine and he's a real stickler for detail mm -hmm. and uh, when i was working with him with the new orleans saints and i was a defensive back coach uh, we were getting ready for a, a mini camp, which is, you know, after the draft when all the rookies come in and your team comes back and it's kind of your first introduction to the new season. It's typically in the spring. And my dad was sick. He had a, he didn't get sick very often. He was really sick and he was in, he couldn't come in to work one day and it was the day before mini camp. So he calls me and he says, Hey, Jimmy, bring me a, uh, a playbook home, you know, that you're going to present tomorrow. I said, Okay, dad, I will. Well, Back in those days, you, you kind of wrote everything out or you typed everything out, and I wrote everything out because I had good handwriting. And 
I had a real problem with the word receivers. You know, the I before E except after C, so I yeah, spelled yeah. receivers <laughs> wrong all the time. And uh, <clears throat> my dad, I hand him this book. He's in bed. He's sick. I get home, and about an hour later, I get a call, and he goes, get your butt back over here. And I go back over to his house, and he had taken my, my uh, minicamp playbook that I was going to hand out to the players the next day, and he'd circle every misspelled receiver in the in the book and he made me go back and do the whole thing over again and he said Jimmy you're not going to hand you're not going to ask your players to be perfect in everything they do and line up a certain way and put their eyes in a certain place and be exactly seven and a half yards off the ball and then you're going to hand them something that's not perfect so you have to set the example for them you have to be the standard that, wow. that they attain you know try to attain so I think it's just been ingrained in me my entire life, and I think a lot of coaches that way. We expect excellence. We expect attention to detail. Wow, that's just crazy. And there it is, and there, there's sort of the making of you as you've grown up. Did you grow up uh, more in the Pacific Northwest? Where was your dad coaching? If you, you talked about Colorado. You end up at yep. Washington. Where, where was he during your, your youth? Well, interesting, um, when I was a young child up until six we were in southern california and he was a coach at his alma mater occidental college which is in you know kind of the the, the valley and uh, and then we went to stanford for a year and it was there that he was with a whole bunch of really great coaches uh and then we went from stanford to boulder and we were in boulder colorado for six years and that's where uh, he first met Don James, who was the you know the great coach right. of Washington that I'm sure you're familiar with. Of course, and obviously Brian and Vicky are uh, who I ended up playing for at University of Washington. Um, and then we went to UCLA for a year, and then just moving right of, all up on well, the yeah moving coast, a lot. coastal yeah. area or mountain yeah. meets the coast. <clears throat> yep, West and then coast. the age of twelve we moved to Seattle, and I was there through through college you know my dad and mom and my um younger brother steven they they left and they went back to new england where he coached for the patriots and then the usfl philadelphia stars and then the new orleans saints and the right. colts but uh but i i moved around until i was about 12 and then i settled in seattle through college and then i started my own career where i, I went from the chargers i was there eight years and then i went to new orleans i was with my dad for five years and then I was eight years with the San Francisco 49ers, where I became the defensive coordinator, and then the head coach of the Falcons, and back to Seattle as assistant head coach, and then the head coach of and UCLA, then UCLA for right. six years. So, yeah, I've moved around a lot, but I've you know I've spent time kind of all over the country. Been really fortunate to to be on the East Coast, to be in the South, to be on the West Coast, to be you know in the right in the West there in, in Colorado. So it's I've been fortunate, you know, wow. very fortunate. You, you know, you talk about knowledge i think you know knowledge is accumulated through experiences especially if you pay attention to them and i've been lucky i've got about three or four book ideas that i just i need to get started on at some point in time yeah you know based upon kind of all these experiences i've had we're talking to coach jim moore jr he's uh playing in the snow somewhere well he's not playing yet because i'm keeping him from it but (laughs) but it is it is football playoffs and we're going to talk about that uh after the break you're in a mississippi minute stand by News Mississippi, on air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app. You can select the breaking news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. That's News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. 
In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Steve Azar with Coach Jim Moore Jr. He is uh, up in the Pacific. Are you Pacific Northwest? Where did you say you were, Coach? Idaho. Oh, you're in Idaho. Sun Valley, Idaho. That's, so yeah. that's, that's really, what would we call that? Is it mountain? I, you know what? Uh, I, it's kind of the high desert of Idaho. I, I don't know if you'd call it the uh, really not the Pacific Northwest. It's I think not. It's, let's just say, hey, I'm out west somewhere. You are out west. <laughs> okay, Coach, let's talk about uh, – Let's talk ball, huh? I want to talk some ball because we got four great games. You got one and two seeds. You know, we got you, you got the new quarterback against the old, uh, the old playing like he's new. Uh, let's start yeah. Kansas City and the Patriots. Uh, how come well, I, I got to ask you one thing first? How come people? How come uh, you know you you hear people ruling them out and uh, the Patriots and it's almost like as a coach, do you ever go okay? Bel- you ever look at Belichick and go okay? Wait a minute, he he finds a certain player for each position that has a certain IQ and a certain ability and agility, right? And he just yeah. plugs them in. Is that right? Could it be that simple, or you, is it not that simple? It is. It's it's. It's hard to do, but it's very simple, and it's a great point, Steve. And I'm going to tell you um, a little story. I was very fortunate to work with the late Bill Walsh in San Francisco, who's you know, I'm sure everyone knows Bill Walsh, yeah. architect of the you know the West Coast offense and the San Francisco dynasties, and deceased now, but a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And and Bill Walsh was very much like Bill Belichick, different personalities, but same kind of set of standards and approach to football, and that was. When we would be scouting players, Bill would always tell us, don't tell me what he can't do. I can see what he can't do. Tell me what qualities, what attributes, what he will bring to the 49ers to help us be champions. What are you know, the special characteristics of this man that can help us be a champion? And then tell us where he's going to be in three months, six months, a year, three years. And those are the guys I want to know about. I, I can look at film and tell you what they can't do. And I think Belichick's the same way. He has a very specific profile for each position, and he has a very specific personality profile for every player on his team, what he wants them to be in terms of their their football character, you know, their love of the game, mm-hmm. and then their, their off-the-field character, just what kind of man are they and what kind of competitor are they and what do they represent. And he populates his roster with those types of people, and he really doesn't compromise very often. Now, he has compromised at times, but he's been very strategic about it. And I think there's a couple of really great examples of him compromising. And uh, the first one would be Randy Moss. People would say Randy Moss doesn't fit the profile of what uh, Bill Belichick is looking for in terms of personality for the New England Patriots. But he built such a strong culture with guys like Tom Brady and Vrabel and Bruschi and, and you know guys like that. Uh, you know, the, the, the defensive lineman, Wolfolk, that he could bring a guy like Randy Moss in that was maybe at the time people thought was a little sketchy in terms of character, and they could squeeze him into the Patriot way. And then at any point in time when that player, you know, started to show signs that he wasn't going to mold to how they did it in New England, he would get rid of them. Now, I think Randy Moss is a very misunderstood person. I, I know Randy, and he's a quality guy. He's a great guy. Another one was Corey Dillon, who played at Washington, the running back who'd been in Cincinnati and kind of been a problem child in Cincinnati. And Bill brought, it, brought him to New England, and the culture squeezed him into uh, being what 
Bill wanted him to be. And then when he when he broke the mold, they got rid of him. But he's a master at that. And um, he's got guys like Tom Brady that are the greatest of all time, you know, arguably, who believe completely in the same process, the same culture, the same uh, standards that Bill has. And so that's, you know, one of the real reasons they're great. And, of course, Tom, you know, having Tom Brady, I mean, that's going to help any coach, you know. Uh, but I think you see that in New England, and people count them out, and you can't count them out. They have a way about them. They have a belief. They, they thrive on being the underdog. You know, I see so many people talk about not liking Tom Brady. I hate Tom Brady. I'm like, how can you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I've gotten I mean, to know this guy so well. Can I, I got to tell you another great story. About yeah, I was going to ask you I one question this, about Tom, but go ahead. I want you to continue. <laughs> you're going to like this one, and so are your listeners. So several years ago, uh, I think it was my second year at, at UCLA as a head coach, and it's the first week of the playoffs, the NFL playoffs, and the Cowboys have a bye and the Patriots have a bye. And it's the weekend that Jason Witten and Tony Romo went down to Cabo on the bye and, you know, all the magazines and newspapers picked up on the fact that Tony Romo and Jason Witten and a couple other players were down in Cabo relaxing, which there's nothing wrong with. They'd earned that. It was their buy. They had a couple days off. They probably took a private jet to Cabo. I'm sure they didn't drink. They probably were just relaxing. But everyone kind of saw it as a negative. Well, that exact same weekend, New England had their buy. At 7 a.m. on Saturday morning, I get a call. And it's Tom. And he goes, hey, Jim. He goes, hey, can you meet me at UCLA and open up the practice field for me? I want to throw. I go, you're in town? He goes, yeah, I came out to L.A. He had a house in Bel Air. He goes, and I need, I, need to, I need to get some throwing in this morning. And on Saturday morning and Sunday morning of his bye week, he's out on the field for two hours throwing football around. And people don't know that about Tom. His yeah. incredible work ethic, his incredible commitment to his craft. And... You know, when people say they don't like him, I'm like, God, and you, then you don't like excellence, and you don't like right. people that, that work for it, because he is not what you would call a great athlete. I mean, he, he worked out for us in San Francisco when he was coming out of Michigan, and, you know, God loved Bill Walsh, and I love him more than anybody or as much as anybody, but Bill Walsh said, this guy's not going to be able to play in the NFL, and he ended up being a six-round pick, and now he's, you know, one, uh, in my yeah. opinion, the greatest quarterback yeah. ever. We think but, of Joe uh, Montana. It seems like that he reminds me so much of Montana that I'm surprised yeah. Bill didn't see, you know, not Bill not, didn't like his mobility. Okay. Bill, see, Bill liked Bill. Bill had kind of five things that he looked for in a quarterback. He looked for decision making. Number one, he wanted a great decision maker. Joe and and Tom, great decision makers. And then he looked for guys that had accuracy, could throw with accuracy. Both of those guys can throw with accuracy. He looked for guys that had mobility. Um, you know, Joe had mobility. Tom didn't have a lot of mobility. He looked for arm strength, and I don't think that at that time Tom had great arm strength, and he looked for leadership, and, and Tom had leadership. But, of course, this was college, and he was a, kind of a 6'4", 6'5", kind of gawky guy at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we missed on him, obviously. But uh, what, what an inspiration. I mean, he's one of my favorite players of all time, I, you know, Ronnie Lott's one of my favorite. Terry Bradshaw's one of my favorite. Right. Uh, Brett Favre's one of my favorite. Jerry Rice is one of my favorite. Tom Brady's one of my favorite. And the thing about all those guys is that I love about all of them is it was their standard of excellence and the way they they propped their teammates up or inspired their teammates to come with them on their journey towards greatness. And that's why they're Hall of Famers. You know, it wasn't necessarily their their athletic ability 
certainly that was part of it, was their mindset and the way they approached their craft. And I think people in every walk of life that are great have that same quality. Are the Patriots the Patriots without Tom Brady? No, unless, unless you know, Bill Belichick went out and found the next Tom Brady, you know. Uh, but no, I mean, they're not because, because Tom has completely, completely embraced everything that Bill is about, at least publicly. And if you ever listen to him talk to the media, he never says a condescending thing. He never gives his opponent locker room material. He, when he's slighted, when people uh, criticize him, he, he laughs at it. But you know that it burns deep inside. And right. I don't think they are without him, no. But there's a new breed coming along of quarterback, you know. Right. And we're seeing it on Sunday. You know, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady couldn't be more different in their style of play. Now, I think they're very similar in terms of uh, their competitiveness, um, their, their just burning desire to be great and to win and to lead their team, uh, their being humble, um, their embracing of team first over self, because Patrick Mahomes is, and this is a special dude now, very different than Tom right. in terms of you know, the way they play the game, but you know, a guy I think we're going to talk about, like we talk about Tom in, in terms of the impact he can have on a... Uh, on an organization, and, and uh, Andy Reid saw that before anybody else did. I want to talk like, to you. know what it's kind of like? Yeah, kind of like Dabo Sweeney recognizing what he had in Trevor Lawrence before anybody recognized it. Right. You know, certain coaches can see things. That's amazing. We're talking to Coach Jim Mora. Uh, Coach, I want to. we're going to jump into a break, and I want to continue where you're leaving off right now, but – Okay. Mississippi, you know, you guys had Grunge Rock where you grew, grew up in Seattle and you have coffee and all that. And you got rain. I know a lot of rain. I've been there. <laughs> but we are the birthplace of American music. So you get to play DJ. Would you like to hear a little Faith Hill who's done some uh, pro football uh, songs on like I Sunday night Faith. or Three Doors Down? That's your choice. I'm going to go with uh, – uh, can I get a little Steve Azar? No, you can't. I, no, that's not a, uh, that's not on the table. Let's go with Faith. You got it. Faith. You got it. We're I met her when she was nineteen. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. she came to training camp in uh, in uh, New Orleans. Got to meet her when she was wow. nineteen years old. Wow! Wow! She put the moves on her, huh? Now she's something. She's a talented she girl. She used to call me Mississippi. She made me feel at home in Nashville uh, at, I love when, it. when a lot of people didn't. So we're a little Faith Hill. You're in the Mississippi Minute. We're with Coach Jim Moore Jr. We'll be right back. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Silver whistle and an old clipboard, a polo shirt and a pair of gray shorts in that summer haze. Remember those two days. I'm Steve Azar with Coach. Jim Moore Jr. and that's an important that's that's an important uh, thing talking kids decisions you make along the way based on your children I've done it that's why we're back home talk to me about that talk to me about some well, of the moves you've made in your life because all of a sudden it wasn't necessarily about you well I think once you have children it's it's not about you anymore 
other than the fact that you have responsibility to your children. And, uh, you know, I, I feel that to this day. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll share this with you. I'm recently divorced. I've been divorced about a year and a half after being married for 25 years. I have four mm. kids, and, you know, um, unfortunately things didn't work out, and that's the way it goes, and I can move on from that. But the one thing you can never move on from is the fact that you feel like you altered you know, kind of the trajectory of your children's lives. Um, but almost every one of my career moves was made with my children in mind and where they were going to live and how they were going to grow up and the types of people they're going to be around. And I made a lot of decisions that were contrary to what people thought were good decisions, mm-hmm. but I thought that they were the best decisions for, for my family, and they turned out to be to be such. So, you know, I think it's always that balance. Of course, we want to be successful. We want to provide for our family, and that involves some sacrifice. But I think every decision we make has to be made with the thought that I have a responsibility to these people I brought into the world to give them the best life and the best chance at happiness and success um, right. in their future. So how does this decision affect them? And that's something that I'm sure all parents struggle with. And uh, How old are your kids? It's a good struggle. Coach? I have a 24-year-old, a 20-year-old. I'm sorry, 22-year-old, 20-year-old, and a 16-year-old. My oldest is a graduate. He called, played soccer in college. My daughter just graduated from USC. I have a son, a 20-year-old, just turned 20 the other day, and he uh, actually spent his freshman year playing lacrosse at University of Maryland. Wow. He's an All-American lacrosse player, and, and wow. Maryland is you know, one of the top programs right. in America. Amazing. You want to talk to a great guy on a podcast, get a hold of the coach John Tillman at Maryland. He's unreal. But my son went there. But he's a chemistry major and a uh, philosophy minor. You talk about you know polar opposites, and he couldn't take his chemistry labs and play lacrosse. So he made a decision for his future that he would give up lacrosse, and he transferred back to USC. So he's a student at USC now. And then my 16-year-old is a sophomore in high school, and uh, you know a very good lacrosse player in his own right. And we're kind of talking about you know what he wants to do now as he goes forward in his in his education. So all these moves you make, so you you have mm-hmm. four kids. They're all very different, but there's obviously yep. common threads that run run through all of them. But but it, each kid's affected a little different. So you when you move, as much as you you move the group, you do have to sort of pay attention to the individual. So have you ever Absolutely. had any? You ever had any like okay that was that this one was a little tough on this kid. I mean I've had it. Yes, right. Well, I'll tell you, Steve. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Um, the move to UCLA was the most difficult uh, because we were very established in Seattle. We were living in the neighborhood I grew up in. Um, the, my kids' friends were the, the children of my good friends growing up. Mm-hmm. And I had said that that I would never leave a child behind if I took an ever, another job, that we were always going to move as a family. But my oldest son, Cole, was a senior at Bellevue High School. He was the he captained the soccer team. He was the U.S. or ASB, you know, student body president. He was involved in all this leadership stuff, and um, it was his senior year. And so we decided that the best thing to do was let him stay and finish his senior year, which is something I said I'd never do. But it was the best thing for him at the time. And we were living in my old neighborhood, and he was staying with, you know, my old friends. So I felt very comfortable. Now, that wasn't as hard as. I think what I did to my daughter. My daughter, Lilia, was uh, about to enter her junior year in high school. And so I'm taking her from a place where she's very, very comfortable, you know, kind of a homey atmosphere of, mm-hmm. of Bellevue, Washington, and the Seattle suburb, and asking her to go to Southern California to a school that's three times the size of hers, 
Um, she was a volleyball player and a good one in Seattle, but when you go to Southern California, uh, volleyball is on a different level. You know, she ran track, tracks on a different level when you go to Southern California. Right. So, you know, I look back on it and I go, my goodness, did I stress her out or what? Yeah. <laughs> now she's persevered. You know, she just graduated from USC with a 3.6, I think, and she's tremendously talented. But I look back and I go, man, was that hard on her. Now, yeah. the two younger ones, they adapted. But, you know, that's all part of the decisions that we make. And if there was one move that I regret, although it's worked out great for me, it was just the tough move for my daughter to Seattle, from Seattle to L.A. That was tough on her. I love it. I love it. I love love getting to know you this way. Talking to Coach Jim Mora, Jr., He's not all tough. I mean, a lot of tough. I've seen the tough side for sure. We all watch it on the sidelines, uh, Coach. So you're, you're what you're saying is possibly not a third generation NFL head coach or college no. coach. Swear it in. Maybe my youngest son Trey. He's most like me, and he's told me in the past that you know he'd like to coach, but I don't know that he's feeling that way anymore. But he's 16, so it'll change a yeah. lot. But you know, I would, I would, I would guide him away from it. You know, I'll be honest with you, Stephen. It's a fantastic life. It's you know, I worked hard, and I obviously was rewarded very well for it. But it, it's hard, and so this is really you know, last year I got fired at UCLA after the 2017 season, which was you know pretty traumatic. Um, and so all of last season, off season, I was really anxious about you know what had happened. What do I do? I just gone through divorce. I mean, it was a, a really tough time mm-hmm. for me. Right. Um, I hurt my knee a really bad knee injury skiing. I was on uh, non-weight bearing for four months. So I was going through a lot of things and I, I couldn't find any peace. And uh, so I took the job with ESPN and I actually loved it this season. I love being able to kind of study the game from, from a distance, um, step back and watch how other coaches did it, other programs did it, uh, spend time talking to my you know uh, colleagues uh, in the coaching industry about some of their philosophies and how they manage their time and their life and their family. Uh, and and then all of a sudden this year's hiring period came around again and I got anxious again because yeah. I'm a football coach and I want to coach football, but really I didn't want to coach this coming year because I didn't feel like I was emotionally ready. And I loved what I was doing at ESPN. I thought maybe this was the time for me to transition in life. So while I wanted to be sought after and I wanted to be offered jobs at the same time I really didn't so it was this it was this really weird emotional state I was in and as soon as all the college jobs closed up and the NFL jobs closed up because I you know I'd go back to the pros or to college I had this sense of calm that came over me and now I'm going to take the next few months and try to you know work on me as a as a person and do some things that that I put off so interesting enough Steve like you know since I was in high school I've wanted to play the guitar. Oh Lord! I, I've never, I've never had time to learn to play the guitar. You know, I, I used to uh, be a uh, uh, work with clay. You know, have a, a wheel, a potter's wheel. I want to get back into ceramics. I want to spend time fly fishing. You know, some of those things I've never had a chance to do because I was working 100, 120 hour weeks, right. and that's what coaches do. So I'd kind of guide my kids away from being coaches and more into Hey, listen. Let's let's experience all that life has to offer, you know. And, and uh, 
let's be more balanced than than your dad was. You know, I was obsessive. Here's what I love about you. Here's what I love about you. This is where I can tell where it's you. You're all good because you use the word hired and fired like it's the same word. (laughs) I mean, just listening (laughs) to you say the two. (laughs) No, I know that. No, no, and I know that you go into that knowing that, and you have to be able to accept. Because, look, the demands on – and you talk about your son in the future if he decided. The demands on winning now is crazy. I mean, it's like, yeah. first of all, you got it takes a minute, right? And then you've got to deal with – got to hope that your team's healthy. <laughs> the guys yeah. that are your A guys or your, your B-plus guys got to stay healthy. It's all got to be synced up perfectly at one time. Perfectly. And the stars have to align to get all the way. Now, it is football playoffs, and we're going to talk about that uh, after the break. You're in the Mississippi Minute. Stand by. Hey, folks. In the market for new pillows, I'd like to tell you about who I believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the USA, my friends at Beds by Design and their amazing Omni Pillow. The Omni Pillow is made with a copper-infused fabric, and they use high-quality fabric. The copper has been known to be antifungal, antibacterial, and good for the skin. The Omni Flow is the foam in the inside. Designed by their veteran team, the Omni Flow is a one-of-a-kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this. They'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal? To give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. That's OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping. You won't regret it. Thanks, guys. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar We're with Coach Jim Mora Jr. Let's jump to what do you think uh, Kansas City and uh, and the and, and New England coming there, and they say it's going to be like icy. So what do you Which think? Is okay, I think I think uh, I think this. Um, look, I'm a huge fan of both of the coaches. I'm a huge fan of both organizations because both organizations do it the right way. They stick with their people. They stick with their coaches. They don't just you know hire and fire at will. I I just Steve. I can't, I can't bet, and I, I, I don't bet, but I can't, I can't pick against the Patriots. I just, as much as I love Andy Reid, and as much as I love Patrick Mahomes, and as well as Kansas City's defense is playing right now, and even though it's in Arrowhead, which is one of the most incredibly difficult yeah. places to play, their their fans are so awesome. I just, it's not in me to say that that Tom Brady's going to lose a game. Now, I would love to see. Kansas City win only from the standpoint of a fan wanting something new in there. But, right. you know, when I say that, I say, well, kind of, that's con- kind of contrary to what you really think, Jim, because you love, you know, you love Tom Brady and you love Bill Belichick. But I, I think it would be kind of neat to see a Patrick Mahomes and, a, and an Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. Now, I lost to Andy Reid in the NFC Championship in 
my first year in Atlanta mm-hmm. when he was the head coach of Philly and he took him to the Super Bowl. So I've stood on the sidelines opposite Andy Reid in an NFC Championship game, and he's pretty darn good. And, uh, and you would have been playing the Patriots, uh, correct? Because that, that's the they played the that. You would have been playing the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, and losing and losing. Right. So uh, I, I'm just going to have to stick with my pick for it being the Patriots. You know, and I, like I said, I, it's tough for me to, to to pick against Tom and Bill. All right, what about the let's now, go the let's go to the NFC be because a too. you know you Ooh, got that's going to be a doozy. I mean, come on, you spent a lot of time in New Orleans. And now we're going back. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, I'm a Saints fan because that's who we went to go see growing up. So, I mean, Kamar, how does Kamar not get to make, how does he not make the Pro Bowl just FYI? I I don't know. I mean, he certainly should have. He's a great, great player. Um, Crazy. But we we both know who makes that team go, and it's it's much like New England. It's much like the, the synchronicity that they have, that Belichick and Brady have. It's Breeze and Peyton, or, uh, I mean, right. they're they're in sync. I mean, you talk about minds thinking alike. Sean Payton and Drew Brees are on the same page 100% of the time. I, I've never seen a quarterback and a coach more in sync than those two are. And I don't know if you know Sean. I'm sure you probably do. He's an amazing guy. He's very much like Bill. I worked for NFL on Fox for a couple of years, and I was I worked with Dick Stockton, and I worked um, as an analyst, and so we would go – and watch a team, the team that we were gonna we were gonna broadcast on Sunday. We'd watch them practice on Friday. I will tell you this: in in those two years, probably seeing all 32 teams, I I saw a more impressive practice player than Drew Brees. It's now, unreal. I, I worked with impressive it's practice unreal. players because Jerry Rice, who's Mississippi guy, yeah, was the hardest worker you could ever imagine. As a matter of fact, Steve, when I knew that he was going to be leaving San Francisco. I went into the film room, and I took the last three days of practice that he ever had. I have them in my possession, the film of his last three days of practice as a 49er, because I wanted to always be able to show players how hard the great Jerry Rice works. So I have those films in my possession. I don't know if anyone knows that. They will now. But, wow, uh, he used to run up and down. the. Listen, we watched him train in Greenville because his wife was from here. So he, yeah. would, he would wear the streets of Greenville out. It was all day. It was crazy. Greatest I mean, competitor, greatest worker I've ever, in 30-something years of coaching, wow. there's really never been anyone that's close in terms of the work ethic and the focus Crazy. until I saw Breeze and I saw the same thing. Now, different position. I mean, he was so intense during practice. And this was a Friday practice, which sometimes is kind of loose. But he would drop back, Steve, and he'd throw the ball. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, so he's, they're 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 working against what they think the the opponent's defense is going to show him. So he has to go through his progressions and make his throw. So he'd drop back and he'd throw the ball to to his the read that the defense gave him, and then he would stand there and in his mind and with his body, he'd move his feet, move his shoulders, and do an arm motion to make every single throw that was available on that play so mentally he was completing every single play he was going through the progressions of every if, okay if that's not there this is there if this isn't there that's there and he did it for every single pass mm. and if you ever watched him enter the huddle you know he, he he enters the huddle really fast he takes a knee calls the play fast and then he gets in the line fast that's how he practiced the offense would be in the huddle the defense would be over there getting the look that they're supposed to give he'd wait till the defense was set He'd get the call from Sean. He'd jump into the huddle. He'd call the play with intensity. He'd get to the line. They'd snap it. So he was practicing exactly like you play. And you know, you hear that cliche: "Hey, the way you play is the way you're going to. You know, the way you practice is how you're going right. to play." Well, let me tell you something. One of the reasons that Drew Brees is such a great player.
player on Sundays is because of the way he practices on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It was unbelievable. I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I know that uh, it's beautiful where you we are right now. We could go on for hours, couldn't we? Oh, God, I love <laughs> it, man. I love it. i got to have you down here. we got to get you down for the Delta Soul this year if it's possible, if you're not you coaching. You know what? I, I was reading about that today, and I would be – I know it's in June. I'd yeah. be honored. I'd love to come down. Okay, we'll love get Brian it. to come down, and we'll have old memories. And somehow we'll That'd get you and Brian against me and one of my old roommates, and we'll see if we can, like, play two-on-two <laughs> without and, and, like, make it make it to ten without somebody, like, just falling falling out which would probably won't work out <laughs> hey listen you're the best i appreciate it we've been in a mississippi minute with coach jim moore jr check him out on tv you're gonna be on tv this weekend coach not this weekend i'll be the next time you'll see me is uh february 6th which is national signing day and then the draft i'll be working the draft as well okay so enjoy the snow take care of your knee draft in nashville Steve. sorry yeah. to interrupt you but the draft in nashville yeah no no i know i know it i know it well all right brother you're the best all right pal. blessings I'm Steve Azar, in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.